Hello and welcome behind the marquee, the podcast where we talk about everything that's going on inside and outside the world of art house and independent cinema. My name is Nick Aldrink. I work at the Michigan Theater, and I am joined by one guest today who also works at the Michigan. Just Theater. one. <laughs> he actually works at the State Theater. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself to us? My name is Nadine Persicosha Mass, and I am one of the house managers at the State Theater. Thank you for joining. Joining, I was about to say joining us, but you're joining me. You're joining me. Yeah, today. thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be the only guest on this episode. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about talk a little bit about what's now playing. But uh, we've had a, a a few weeks hiatus. We've had a very I, solid week of movies. Yeah. But, uh, so at, at the state, what are what what seems to be really popular right now? Well, uh, Free Solo is still mm-hmm. pulling in a lot of people. Uh, people come out of that movie. Uh, very frightened. Yeah. Uh, like uh, our old pal Mary Beale saw it twice now. <laughs> uh, the first time she saw it, she told me, Mary Beale is the volunteer coordinator mm-hmm. at the Michigan Theater Foundation, by the way. Uh, sorry for all the inside baseball talk. <laughs> but uh, she told me the first time she saw it, she had to look away for most of it. Because mm-hmm. it was just too scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she saw it again last night and managed to keep her eyes on the screen the whole time. <laughs> and I, I still haven't seen it. I yeah. feel so bad. It seems really cool. It is. Uh, people people uh, uh, come to the movie already decked out in what seems to yeah. be climbing gear. <laughs> they seem very ready to climb El mm-hmm. Capitan themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's sponsored by Bivouac, so we have mm. a lot of uh, a lot of the Bivouac clientele walk into the Lots walk of them. into the theater, and a lot of their employees too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. I, uh, the, yeah, th- thank you. A shout out to Bivouac. Thank you uh, to them to, for sponsoring the film. I I really enjoyed seeing that movie. There's there's a very genuine experience experience watching it because you know how it's going to end. I mean, like you know he's not going to die. So for those of you who, who don't know, this movie <laughs> spoiler this, alert. <laughs> this movie is about uh this the this climber he climbed mount el capitan 3000 feet uh and what is what the the climbers call free soloing which is he climbed el capitan without any ropes or harnesses as as he's going up the mountain and of course like i said there's there's no twist in the in the film mm-hmm. you know he's going to make it up because that is how it's pitched to you is like watch him accomplish this incredible feat but still there are moments in that movie where he is clinging to the side of a granite mountain with just one toe and a single thumb that is really all he's holding on to on the side of this it's like a smooth granite wall that he's climbing wow. and there's also it's really fascinating watching him rehearse and practice doing this because he didn't just decide to do it one day. This mm-hmm. is something, this was a, uh, an accomplishment that took him years to, uh, to fulfill. And he, the, 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 there, he had the entire route planned out on the side of the mountain. And then as he's climbing it and practicing the climb with a, attached to a rope, mm. he's memorizing every single handhold as he's moving as he's moving his way up so he has a, a journal and he he's memorized it's like a, it's like a show to him he memorized every single move as he's ma- making like move my left hand three feet to the left and uh, he he knows his holds and then if there's a if, as he's rehearsing if he finds a hold that he doesn't feel comfortable with while doing a free solo then he'll He'll sit there on the mountain and he'll look at it with a toothbrush and he'll start brushing away the mountain looking for a better hold. Just being that, that, that focused on detail of just like, like imagine like a toothbrush on the side of the mountain looking for a better place to hold hmm. on. I didn't know that there was so much craft that yeah. went into mountain climbing. No, I didn't either. And yeah, it's extremely thrilling uh, and beautiful, incredibly beautiful to look at because it was a... Uh, Produced by National Geographic, mm-hmm. so it's very much a documentary about nature uh, as it is about climbing. Do you think we'll we'll be keeping it for a couple more weeks, or is it going away? It's soon? it's doing very well. I would I would think that we hold on to it for at least another another two weeks uh, oh, cool. because I will okay, I'll have to see it. Yeah, we're 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 about to talk about a lot of movies that are opening in in December, so it, it will be diff- even if it's doing well, it will be difficult to hold on to. But yeah, if you haven't seen Free Solo yet, 
I would see it this week or the next. Yeah, I will. I will definitely have to. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Boy Erased? What are people coming out thinking of Boy Erased? Boy Erased, uh, it's been doing pretty well too. I think it's probably the most popular new movie we've got mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I wasn't really anticipating. I I had heard about it, but uh, you know, it, it didn't have a huge amount of buzz behind it or mm-hmm. anything. But people are coming out crying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people seem to like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I haven't heard the same level of excitement behind it that I do for A Star is Born, okay. which has been our, our mm-hmm. heavy hitter yeah. for the past couple of weeks. Uh, how long have we had that actually? Like Since over... the first week of October. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So like yeah. almost two months. Almost two months. Yeah. Wow. About a month yeah. and a half. Uh, an epic tale that <laughs> one is. But yeah, that's a... Uh, Boy Erased is our most popular new movie right now. Okay, and uh, th- that is the movie starring Lucas Hedges, uh, the Academy Award nominee. He was in Manchester by the Sea. He was just in mid-90s that we just played. Uh, he's having a great couple of years. And this is the story of, uh, it's based on uh, a true memoir of a, of a teenager who is sent to a gay conversion therapy program by his fundamentalist Baptist parents and then in the film they're played by Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman and then it's written and directed by Joel Edgerton um, and he's he stars and with <laughs> Flea is in the movie as well did you know that? I did not <laughs> uh, and he, so is a uh, that pop guy right troy sivan oh i don't know i don't know you don't know I, well I, I i i don't i i think i know who you're talking about. i know who I you're talking know. about but i didn't know he was a i shouldn't guy. have brought up his name because i don't know anything <laughs> about him besides his name but it, apparently he's in the movie i don't know uh and at the michigan i need to i need to take a moment to plug wildlife mm. uh, and then that is a movie starring jake gyllenhaal and Carrie Mulligan, and it is the writer directorial debut of Paul Dano. Paul Dano, you know, my, you, he's been in loads of stuff. He was in uh, he was at his acting roles. He was in There Will Be Blood. He was in Love and Mercy that played at the state a few years back. Little Miss Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine, of course. And this is a movie that uh, our colleague Mackenzie and I, we saw at Sundance. Mm-hmm. And both of us walked away from that from that festival noting that as our favorite film that we, we saw 27 movies. Wow. Something and like that was that like a year Sundance. ago now. That was last January. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we walked away seeing, you know, 20, 25 to 30 films. And for both of us, it was our favorite film that we saw at Sundance. Would you still say it's your favorite movie of this year? That I've seen. So I, I caught the last half an hour of it because I, mm-hmm. I got out of A Star is Born and I went over to the Michigan as I was waiting for the bus. I caught about the last half hour of Wildlife. And it still shocked me mm. how incredible the performances are in that movie, especially Carrie Mulligan. Sure. Carrie Mulligan, that is easily the best performance I've seen from her. Wow. Uh, she was in Drive. She was yeah. in Inside Lewin Davis. Shame. She was in Shame, The Great Gatsby. All the emotions that she's portraying in, in the camera, or uh, that she's portraying in the film, are internal emotions. Uh, so, it, and she's, she's putting on a, she's really, she's putting on a face throughout, throughout the film. It, it's about they, her and Jake Gyllenhaal, they play these 1960s typical nuclear family type, uh, type of people. They with have a, a, with a child. Yeah. Well, yeah. With, with a 14 year old son mm-hmm. and, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, he gets laid off his, well, his character gets laid off and he sort of loses a sense of purpose and he leaves his family to go off and fight this wildfire. They live in uh, they live in Montana, I believe mm-hmm. it is. And then as, as he, as he leaves, Carrie Mulligan is put on, put with this, this weight is put on her and she begins to start breaking down, but you, you don't. You see that her breakdown internally. She tries to. She tries to maintain, you know, her mm-hmm. '60s housewife uh, persona. But you can tell her slowly starting to crack throughout the movie, and there's. You can tell that there's something going on in her in her, in her head, but she never mm-hmm. quite openly expresses it. She expresses it with her actions. She expresses it with just the way she reads her lines. Mm. And it's really fascinating just because you, you, you're trying to, you're trying to figure out what's going on inside that head or that, Mm -hmm. that head, the entire movie. And you can't quite figure it out until things kind of come to a head. Finally, this conflict 
really explodes. Mm. And then it's it's, it's as much as as much as we like talking about you know starring Carrie Mulligan in her best on screen performance and Jake Gyllenhaal. It's the the protagonist is the teenage boy. Yeah, who who's that actor? His name is Ed Oxenbould. I think he, he the only thing he's really known for is that Alexander and the No Good No Good Terribly Rotten Very Bad hmm. Day. Uh, I think that yeah he, that was just a few years ago. But it's it's a coming of age story for him as well. Okay, and the, and it's he's put in a position where his dad leaves and his mom is starting to break down, and he's going to school trying to be a regular kid, and then he's kind of forced he's forced to maintain, uh, or he's forced to pick up the responsibilities left by his father, and at the same time he's he's watching, he's just. He's seen the worst personalities come from his parents, something he's never seen before. And you see that that disillusion, disillusionment, disillusionment take place. It expresses the time that I think in everyone's life where you realize that your parents are people. Sure. And not the, you know, like the... the and not the center of the universe, not, mm-hmm. not like perfect people like you, you grew up thinking they are. Um, you know, it, it, it finds that time perfectly and you see him awaken. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, very, it's incredible. I, I was, I was going to ask, as you were describing, um, you were talking about Carrie Mulligan's performance mm-hmm. and I was going to ask you if it was something that you could really tell from her performance or due to maybe the script or the way the movie is edited. But I figure if it's, this is Paul Dano's directorial debut, yeah. right? And he and, wrote, yeah, he wrote it with Zoe Kazan, his wife. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's uh, it's interesting to think about actors who go on to uh, direct movies. Yeah. Because for someone as accomplished as Paul Dano is in the acting field, mm-hmm. he must pay very special attention to his performer's performances mm-hmm. when he's doing this movie. So it's good to hear that people like Carrie Mulligan and Jake Gyllenhaal have a chance to really flex yeah. their acting <laughs> muscles. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's certainly the the success of those performances is all of the above screenplay, directing, and acting. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I I expect this film to be nominated for at least for yeah the the acting performances, and I hope best screenplay. Mm. It's very wow. very well written and directed. Yeah, I, mm. again, I I've seen basically none of the movies that we're <laughs> playing right now. Mm-hmm. So I, you can treat me like an open book, <laughs> ready to be impressed. So film's coming soon. Let's get into it. Uh, uh, this podcast is getting released on Friday, so Green Book will 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 be now playing. It opens today. We're we're recording it on Tuesday. Mm. Uh, that is from director Peter Farrelly of the Farrelly Brothers fame. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know much about Peter. I, I don't know the differences between the two. They've always co-directed and co-written their oh, films. Oh, you're right. Yeah. They they did Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. There's something about Mary. I think me, myself, and Irene. Mm. Uh, stuck on you. Very fun. I guess it, you, you would call them lowbrow slapsticky comedies. Well, I wouldn't call them that <laughs> because I respect them as artists. And I see that they're trying to branch out from those movies by doing a, a race drama. Yeah, yeah. In the and, 1960s. And this is, a, yeah, Peter Fairley. I don't even think his brother is involved hmm. in this film. This is him uh, go, going solo. <laughs> and this stars Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen. Uh, Mahershala Ali won the the Oscar for Best Actor for Moonlight. And then Viggo Mortensen was, of course, in The the Lord of the Rings. And, and some other stuff. Too, and some other who stuff, cares? yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, Mahershala Ali plays this world-class uh, pianist. And he goes on tour in the 1960s Deep South, mm-hmm. and they, he's given this what they call a, a it's like a, a, a green book mm-hmm. that guides him of safe places to go while he's in the South. And then yeah. Viggo Mortensen is a driver who is hired. He's a driver. He's a bouncer in, in the in the Bronx, and he's hired to, in a way, escort him. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a white man. He's escorting him through the through through the South, and then he's he's a tough talking and Italian and Italian American sure. loudmouth, and it becomes an odd couple <laughs> type story. And then it, it's based on a true story, and okay. uh, the two of them uh, became very good friends because of this experience. Right, it's supposed to be very heartwarming, and uh, expected to be pretty pretty popular. It's getting great reviews. That's great. It's it's really cool to see a movie with Vigo and Mahershala. 
Mm-hmm. Not something I expected ever. No. But that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming up, um, have you heard anything about, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, Mirai? Mirai. Mirai? Mirai. So I've seen uh, a couple movies from the director, mm-hmm. Mamoru Hosoda. Uh, I saw The Boy and the Beast recently Mm -hmm. and I saw The Girl Who Leapt Through Time years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do know that he's very well regarded Mm -hmm. in Japan. Uh, And this movie looks pretty interesting. I'm honestly more jazzed that we are getting these kinds of movies because I don't think the Michigan or the state really get a lot of animated features at all. No, 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 not really. This is from, yeah, the, uh, this is a Japanese animated film. Um, would you call it anime? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know my, my, my I mean, it's, it's Japanese animated. Yeah. It's produced in Japan mm-hmm. and it's animated. Okay. So. <laughs> this is, this opens November 30th. Uh, this is about a, a young boy encounters a magical garden which enables him to travel through time and meet his relatives from different eras with guidance by his young younger sister from the future. Yeah, so sounds like an anime to me. Very, very, very surreal. Anime does very well for us, but no, we don't get first-run animated features often. Yeah. And this is going to be at the Michigan, uh, and I think it's going to be a really great experience to see in an art house cinema like this. Yeah, Michigan. absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh I feel like, uh, at least as a contemporary American, I don't really get the chance to see a lot of 2D animation on a big screen, Mm -hmm. you know, ever, unless it's like a repertory screening of another famous animated feature from Mm -hmm. the past. So I'm really excited that we're booking movies like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, me, me, me too. Uh, the great Buster is a documentary about Buster Keaton. That we are, it is go- going to be playing for three days only, December 2nd, 3rd, and 5th. And this is from writer-director Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, he, you might know him from, uh, he, he directed Paper Moon, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, actually, and The Last Picture Show. And this is another, Buster Keaton kind of falls into an argument with Charlie Chaplin often. You, they, they're sort of the, the quintessential slapstick mm-hmm comedy heroes and Charlie Chaplin if, if you're going to argue about the two of them Charlie Chaplin usually comes out on top just because he maybe his films are are better renowned maybe they're critically mm-hmm. better received but Buster Keaton if you haven't seen The General or Sherlock Sherlock Jr. it's he was such a treat to watch his physical comedy is far exceeding to any of the sty- any of the silent yeah, stars. He threw his body on the line in every shot that that he that he was in. Whether it's you know, there's the famous scene where the the house is falling sure. and then it, he it falls through the as the as the the wall comes down on him, he slips through the window yeah. of the house and he's fine. Yeah, it's it's. It's something I think that we take for granted now with so much content around, but I like, I can only imagine how someone in the thirties must've <laughs> felt watching, you know, I mean, talkies had only just been invented or whatever, Yeah. but now the, the level of visual comedy that Buster Keaton pioneered mm-hmm. is something that I'm sure would have blown my mind back mm-hmm. then. And then, uh, Interviewed in the movie, you you get Johnny Knoxville, which makes sure. perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mel Brooks is in there. Yeah, really, um, some great comedic stars uh, that show their level of appreciation mm-hmm. for Buster Keaton, and, and it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a treat. And also, and if you know this, Buster Keaton has a bit of a Michigan connection. I didn't. He he not, not Ann Arbor, but I know this because he lived. In, uh, he spent his summers in Muskegon, Michigan, which is where mm. I'm from, uh, where on uh, on West Michigan. He spent his summers there. He spent his summers there. He had he had a he had a home in Muskegon, huh. and he called it he called it his second hometown or his adopted hometown. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. So yeah, to come come visit Muskegon, Michigan. <laughs> we, we'd love to have you. <laughs> and there's a there's a Buster Keaton festival every summer as well. Oh, huh. Yeah, it's 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 a good time. Interesting. Uh, Roma, which is we, Roma, is going to pl- be playing for a week only, the uh, December fourteenth through the twentieth, because this is distributed by Netflix. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to see that they're p- 
pushing their movies into theaters now. It's it's very exciting. We had uh, The Other Side of the Wind that played last week. Mm-hmm. That was Orson Welles' right. last film, and that was another movie that was released on Netflix the same day that we opened it. And it was great to see people come out for it. And yeah. it, 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 it's, it's kind of an experiment still. We're trying it out. Um, it seems that people want to see these movies on the big screen still, even oh, though they can, they, even if with a Netflix account or a friend's Netflix account, they can watch it for free. I'm using quotes on for free. Sure. But uh, th- this is from Alfonso Cuaron, uh, the, who made Gravity, Children of Men, Itumama Tembien. Uh, and of course, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> How could I forget it? Yeah, how could you forget? <laughs> Children of Men, you said, is one of your favorite. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, and Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite Harry Potter movie. Yeah. So it's it all been, works out. It's been a long time since, since I've seen that one. When it was first released, I didn't quite like it, but I don't think I had the level of, I, I was able to have an appreciation for it like, sure. like it deserves. Because yeah. it came out when I was maybe fifth or sixth grade, yeah, something like that. And I was just confused why they why they are wearing muggle clothing throughout sure. the entire movie. And it was dark, and I wasn't really looking th- for something dark at the time. Mm-hmm. I just wanted my happy Harry Potter universe. <laughs> may, I think that I could find a level. Like Christopher of, Columbus. Yeah. What was his name? Chris Columbus? Not yeah, Christopher Chris, Columbus. Yeah, yeah, Christopher yeah. Columbus. Yeah. Chris, Chris, Chris Columbus, Columbus, yeah. Delivered a great vision of the Harry Potter world in the first two films. Mm-hmm. And I still love those movies for how well they nailed the tone. Uh-huh. But I think that Prisoner of Azkaban... Uh, really shook things up in a way that is honestly surprising that the executives allowed him to do <laughs> in, on such a level, and I think it paid off great. I, I have to rewatch it. You should. Uh, and uh, Roma has been nominated for a lot of awards, uh, the Film Independent yeah. Spirit Awards. Lots uh, of buzz behind it. And the British Independent Film Awards for Best International Film. So I expect, expect to be hearing more about Roma. I think even if... You know, I, I have a Netflix account. I love watching movies on my laptop, but there's definitely movies like Roma that I wouldn't want to see first if it wasn't on a big screen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a lot like, of people share that sentiment. Yeah. yeah. Like a director like Alfonso Cuaron, the visuals of the trailer alone, mm-hmm. it really show you, it, it feels like a disservice to watch it first on like your laptop screen or your phone screen, as good as those screens might be. Something about the scale of a big screen yeah. really puts you in a totally different mindset. Especially, was, especially a screen like the Michigan Theater. Like oh, the absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, which is a completely <laughs> other level to most other movie screens. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was actually reading an interview with the Coen brothers on the release of their new movie, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which yeah. is another movie that premiered on Netflix. It's a Netflix movie, mm-hmm. but it was also shown in theaters around the country, not not here, of course, but yeah. in like California, New York. And they were talking about how uh, they too, ha- like they admitted basically that they sometimes watch screeners like on their TV at home or like on their laptop. Yeah. But they still maintain that the big screen is their preferred way to go. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. And they, they told everyone, please go see <laughs> Ballad of Buster Scruggs on the big screen if it's in your area. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish that I wish we could have picked it up, but you know, it's it, and we we ha- I got a, peop- a lot of people asking me asking me about that film, mm. but you know, you you can't get everything. Oh sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you totally can't get everything, but yeah. it's I think it's great that we're getting movies like yeah. Roma or The Other Side of the Wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Roma is about it's a story that chronicles a year in the life of a middle class family in Mexico City in the early 1970s. So that is a Spanish language film, right? And uh, like I said, getting a lot of buzz behind it, we're excited to pick it up. Uh, at Eternity's Gate is opening December 14th, and that is starring Willem Dafoe as Vincent Van Gogh with Oscar Isaac and Rupert Friend. Uh, director Julian Schnabel, yeah. uh, Diving Bell and the Butterfly is uh, his past work. And just uh, this is another, I, I, I love seeing the resurgence of Willem Dafoe. Uh, yeah. Last year he had from Sean Baker, The Florida Project. Mm-hmm. And he is such an incredible actor, and it's nice to see him playing nice roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I mean, Willem Dafoe or uh, Van Gogh, maybe he he he's not playing. I guess he's not playing a perfect human being, but he's not playing a villain, is what sure. I'm saying. He's not playing the the Green Goblin, or um, what was the 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 based on the comic book adaptation that came out on Netflix? He played the villain Death Note. 
Oh, was that him? Oh, yeah, he, he was, I, he was I erased that movie from my mind. He was the mind. monster in Death Note. Yeah. Oh my God, he was. Oh no. <laughs> he, he plays. He plays such a perfect villain. He does. I mean, but yeah. it, I, I love seeing him playing a protagonist. And this oh, is, absolutely. And this, 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 this period piece. And he's sure to get some Oscar nominations for this one. Yeah, I'm. And uh, Julian Schnabel was a good choice for director because mm-hmm. to to depict someone like Vincent Van Gogh's life, uh, which uh, like the end of his life was all about his paintings. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I think most of his painting output comes from that period in his life. Mm-hmm. And I think someone like Julian Schnabel is well equipped because he's such a visual director. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm really excited to see what he does with Willem Dafoe yeah. <laughs> and the story of Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, so yeah, those are all the movies that are playing at the Michigan. We're going to run through some of the stuff that are playing at the state now. Happy Prince is opening uh, November 30th, and that is written and directed by Rupert Everett uh, with Colin Firth, and that is the story of Oscar Wilde. Do you know anything about Oscar, Oscar Wilde? You know, I know... Honestly, very little. I don't think I've ever read anything by Oscar Wilde. I don't. I'm not sure if that that I have either. Yeah, it's a it's Shame a big gap us. in my classical education because he's so well respected and regarded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know it was Rupert Everett's directorial debut, but whatever. Yeah, I believe so. I uh, I don't know. Yeah, Do you I know. I, I, the I, only I, thing I know Rupert Everett from, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age here, is from uh, Shrek Two. He's in Shrek 2? Yeah, he plays the fairy godmother's oh, very handsome that's him? son. Yeah, that's him. I know he was in uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. Okay. And uh, so some of those late 90s, early 2000s romantic comedies. Yeah, well, maybe if I see The Happy Prince, I'll be finally inspired to pick <laughs> up the importance of being earnest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 10 years after high school. Uh, border... Border is opening on no, on uh, December 7th, and that was nominated at Cannes. Uh, that's from director Ali Abbasi. I believe this is his directorial debut. This is a Swedish language film. Mm-hmm. And then Ali Abbasi was nominated at Cannes for Uncertain Regard, the Uncertain, <laughs> it's, I, can't, I can't speak French, I'm sorry, Uncertain Regard Award. Sure. Uh, have you seen the trailer for this one? This yeah, one? I have. Uh, it's a very interesting story. I've heard a lot of buzz about this one, actually. Yeah. Uh, this one and uh, Burning that we'll talk about a little later, I've mm-hmm. heard quite a lot about. Um, but I'm interested because this is apparently the same. It's written, I think, also by Ali Abbasi. Mm-hmm. But the script is based on a novel by the Swedish author who published Let the Right One In. Yes. So I'm sure the... Uh, judging from that movie's treatment of monsters and mm-hmm. uh emotional connection yeah this is uh this is a film about a, a customs officer who can smell fear mm-hmm. she can literally smell fear develops an unusual attraction to a strange traveler while aiding a police investigation which will call into question her entire existence right and she's playing a character she kind of looks like <laughs> She looks like one of the Geico cavemen. That, 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 that's how I see it. <laughs> so I think they're supposed to be trolls. Trolls? Yeah. In okay. Scandinavia, trolls are like like how, I guess, how we kind of see elves. Okay. Kind of in the yeah. sort of Lord of the Rings way, but, you know, in a little more folksy mm-hmm. kind of depiction. So, tr- like, to be depicted as a troll is sort of like a goofy childish thing. Okay. So I, I think it's interesting that they're trying to tell the story... Because I think she is supposed to be a troll, and so mm-hmm. is this other guy. Yeah, she meets I, she I meets can't... she she meets someone who looks like her for the first time in her life. Right, and uh, she, yeah, like like what the plot synopsis says, she she comes to question her entire existence, who she is, how she was created. Yeah, and it's it's like a mystery. Yeah, I, I couldn't really or... tell from the trailer what their mm-hmm. angle was supposed to be about that about the. The fact that they're both trolls. Yeah. But if it's from the same author as Let the Right One In, I'm sure it'll be told in a very <laughs> uh, delicate manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burning, uh, th- th- that's one that you just brought up. This is getting a ton of buzz. And this is a South Korean film from director Cheng, Cheng Dong Lee. Yeah, I've never heard of him. I haven't heard. I looked up his some of his filmography and I wasn't familiar with, with most of it. But it's starring Steve Yun. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you might know him from 
The Walking Dead. He was in Sorry to Bother You that came out this summer. And it's beginning a ton of award nominations at Cannes. Uh, it won the Vulcan Prize, the Vulcan Prize for Technical Artist, Artistry and a nominee for the Palme d'Or, which is sort of this, that's the, the A-class award, mm-hmm. that's like the top award at Cannes. And then the Film Independent Spear Award for Best International for Best International Film. And it is about it's it's a thriller of sorts. The 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 the, the trailer is incredibly gripping. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot synopsis Jong Su runs into Hey, I'm 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 butchering these names. I very much apologize. Jong Su runs into Hey Mi, a girl who once lived in his neighborhood and she asks him to watch her cat while she's out of town. When she returns, she is, she introduces him to Ben, a man she met on the trip. And Ben proceeds to tell Jong Su about his hobby. Uh, that That's where the plot synopsis leaves off. But you watch the trailer and you find out that his hobby is he likes to burn greenhouses. Pretty cool. <laughs> Normal guy. And you, yeah, it's uh, Steven, Steve Yun plays the, he's just a man that is, <laughs> enveloped in in mystery he kind (laughs) of seems very creepy he seems very violent and evil uh yeah it's it's a movie with a lot of um weirdness around yeah (laughs) it's definitely not a story you'll find anywhere else yeah and uh like like we expect that to be very popular like Mm -hmm. it's uh, getting a ton and ton of buzz when are we opening that actually oh we we just uh december 7th december December 7th 7th. we just confirmed that today right okay great uh the favorite uh this is the one that we that you've brought up in a in a previous podcast as well that is from yorgos lanthimos who made the lobster dog tooth and killing of a sacred deer that was uh, released a a couple last year i believe Mm -hmm. that stars rachel vice and emma stone and this is a period, an 18th century period piece. And another one that's getting a, a lot and a lot of buzz, Film Independent Spirit Awards and the, uh, for Best International Film and 13 nominations at the British Independent Film Awards, including Best Screenplay, Bresh, uh, Best British Independent Film, Best Director, Best Actress, etc., And that is about, uh, in early 18th century England, a frail Queen Anne occupies the throne and her close friend, Lady Sarah, played by Rachel Weisz, governs the country in her stead. When a new servant, Abigail, played by Emma Stone, arrives, her charm endears her to Sarah. Now, I don't know that that, that, that plot doesn't quite uh, convey what the trailer conveys. What do you have to say about this one? I think, uh, as we said before, Yogros... Lanthimos is a very unique director with a very mm-hmm. unique sensibility. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with a period piece. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think, yeah, all of, all of his other movies that I've seen at least have been contemporary. Lobster was actually in the future. Yeah, it was kind of a dystopian future of sorts. Yeah, it's it, it wasn't like a Blade Runner kind no, of future. No. It, was, it was more of like a, a weird parable future. Yeah. But... Anyway, the the favorite looks really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to be very funny to watch a bunch of royals throw stuff at each other. (laughs) And I think uh, Lanthimos has a gift for dialogue. Mm -hmm. His dialogue uh, doesn't really sound like anyone else's. I don't know if it's because he's not a native English speaker or not, but it always sounds uh, kind of playfully... Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's like it's a very dry. It's a v- extraordinarily dry, <laughs> deadpan sort of statement of fact. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of the, everyone kind of wears their heart on their sleeve yeah. in the dialogue, mm-hmm. but no one really expresses emotion uh, through their acting. Really. I find it very similar to the humor in the dialogue of Coen Brothers films. Sure. Where you the the, the actors are all playing the, the, they don't play that yeah the actors don't play their dialogue as if they're saying something funny. Yeah. Everyone is playing a straight man. Yeah, exactly. There, 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 exactly. There's there's no there's no comedic there's there aren't any comedic outbursts. There aren't any characters that you know you're supposed to laugh at. Right. Ev- everyone is playing their character 100%. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very unique style, and if you haven't seen any of his movies, then I'm sure the favorite is going to be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. 
I, I hope that Yorgos Lanthimos gets the, 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 the awards, and it seems like he is, the awards credit that he really deserves. Because oh, really? His, his movies have always been a little bit cultish. Mm-hmm. Maybe cultish isn't the right word, but he, he has been focused on very low-budget features that find the, this niche audience. Yeah, his stories aren't really ones that I can imagine appealing to a mass audience. Right. Like a story about a future society where if you aren't, matched up with a mate then you get turned into an animal yeah (laughs) doesn't really sound like something that well you know but like to judge but like he's he's turned to a period piece now right and a period period pieces are famous for drawing awards attention sure and this one is already (laughs) getting nominated so it's a exciting time for your your ghost lanthimos oh absolutely And then speaking of period pieces, Mary Queen of Scots is opening at the state on December 21st and this yes. stars Margot Robbie and Saoirse Ronan. A very different sensibility to the favorite. Yeah. seem from the trailer. It, it's, it, it's, I think it's a little bit, it's, it's more authentic to the time, mm-hmm. I think. I think it's, it, this is more to tell you a piece of history where the favorite uses the time period as a setting. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that's, that's the difference to, to find in these two. And this is about Mary Stuart's attempt to overthrow her cousin Elizabeth I, Queen of England, who finds her condemned to years, who who finds her condemned to years of imprisonment before facing execution. This is getting a lot of uh, attention for its makeup and hairstyling design. Of uh, it won a, a, for best makeup and hairstyling at the Hollywood Film Awards. Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie and Saoirse Ronan are no stranger to the spotlight the past few years into awards season. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be, I think it's going to be popular. <laughs> I don't know. Really know yeah. yeah. These, these period movies always attract a lot of um, talented people who, folks who work on the costumes and the makeup. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've never really been a costumes or makeup kind of person, but it movies like Mary Queen of Scots, at least from the trailer, uh, they show you how much skill and how much detail it takes to make those kinds of recreations. Yeah. As like, I, I don't know who the production designer is, but they've got to be some extraordinarily talented mm-hmm. people. And it, the, what it, is, it seems, the movie seems to be building up to a battle as well of some kind. And mm-hmm. the, the, the end of the trailer, you see some very incredible historical action action pieces. Yeah, it's it's strange. I, I wouldn't have expected that just from the title. Yeah, but. yeah. And then uh, I hope uh, Vice is opening on Christmas Day at the state. Mm. And uh, <laughs> the perfect I've, Christmas the movie. The perfect Christmas Day movie. <laughs> and this is one I've actually seen already. I saw this at a trade screening last week. And this is from director Adam McKay, uh, who made <laughs> the, the political big... dissident Adam McKay, <laughs> who made The Big Short a couple years back. Yeah. Uh, this one stars Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. Yeah. Uh, Amy Adams plays Lynn Cheney. Steve Carell plays Donald Rumsfeld. What an amazing cast. Sam Rockwell plays George W. Bush. Tyler Perry plays Colin Powell. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it's, it, I, it's exactly what you think it is. It's, it's, it's a yeah. story of, of Dick Cheney and his rise to power. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who liked The Big Short are going to equally love this movie, if not, cool. if not even more so. Yeah. I, I, I found this movie... Very entertaining. It has mm-hmm. Adam McKay's. He has this very particular playful style. At least uh, he, he was previously known for his films with Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. uh, Talladega Nights, Anchorman, Anchorman, Step Brothers. But yeah. the past couple of years, he's taken a very dramatic turn. Yeah, I've, for some reason, he started paying attention to politics. No, I can't imagine why. And you can tell that he he's done his research for this one too. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Big Short. In all the interviews that Adam McKay was was holding for the Big Short, he was talking about the stacks and stacks of economic studies books sure. that he read to to make the to write the to write that write and direct that movie. Mm-hmm. And at this one, he did just as much. One on uh, just finding the 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 history of Dick Cheney, who was famously a very private person. Mm. So just um, just that alone telling that story had to be difficult, but he also sifted through documents upon documents of constitutional law and about what the vice president can do uh, mm. while in office, what he can't do, all the things that Dick Cheney did while he was in, he was in office that kind of bordered on that line 
of uh, what was <laughs> what he, what he could what was morally right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, as as much, it's easy to look at the trailer and and feel like this is like a like Adam McKay is condemning Dick Cheney, mm-hmm. but it is v- very fair to his character um, because. He also portrays Dick Cheney as a very loving person with his family, and hmm. that, that that sure that's what I that's what I found actually most refreshing about this movie was that you think it's going to be the scathing piece mm-hmm. on modern politics, but it's a character study, and it's so easy to it's so easy to take shots at George W. Bush to play him as a buffoon, mm-hmm. but you know Sam Rockwell plays it straight and he does it very well. Same with with uh, with with Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. And I, I, this is going to get attention because everyone's going to say, "Look how Christian Bale disappeared into this character once again." Like he put on he put on a lot of a lot of weight to play Dick Cheney. Yeah, and you some of the wide shots that you see in this film, you know, it's like Christian Bale is sitting in a room with um, Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld, and from a wide angle, they look spot on sure the, the 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 makeup and hairstyling was brilliant in this one too because yeah. even as dick cheney ages in the movie you start to see like more spots appear on his head mm. and he you know picks up a, a little bit more weight sure it's really incredible and i hope and i i'm excited for everyone to see it yeah you know i after christian bale collaborated with adam mckay on the big short i th- i just thought it was a fluke that yeah. <laughs> you know, someone who's known for disappearing into his characters like Christian Bale. Yeah. I thought it was cool that he was working with the Anchorman guy <laughs> on a, on a movie, but I I think it's I haven't seen Vice, mm-hmm. but it seems like like a like a vote of approval from Christian Bale if he's this willing to yeah. you know gain mm-hmm. however many pounds and really embody <laughs> one of the most evil men in the world. And it, I I love that he's still working with the with people from his his comedic past like Steve Carell yeah yeah uh, and That's, and man. Amy Adams was in Talladega Nights if you don't if uh, if you can think that far back yeah but oh, yeah. Steve Carell has taken the the this the shift with Adam McKay and sure. taking on these these dramatic roles yeah I'm really excited to see Christian Bale and Steve Carell do a scene together it's it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty fantastic and there's. Like I said, it's very playful as mm. as as dark and dramatic as it gets. The, he does a lot of fourth wall breaking, like mm. he did in in sure. the Big Short, and it's it's just it's it's a fun time. As you, you come away learning something, you're gonna walk away understanding that decade more than you understood it before before the film. Oh yeah. This and, is going to be, and, and it's, it's 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 so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's a it's truly going to be my Christmas treat. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, th- there's a lot coming up to be excited about at the Michigan State Theater. Uh, so before we wrap up, we're going to get to our movie magic moments of the week, and this is the time where we talk about something that we've seen recently that we can recommend to you, and something that reminded us why we love movies. So what do you got? Well, uh, this past week I was in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my girlfriend's high school best friend's wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we happened to meet up with the former general manager of the State Theater, Christine Tremblay. Hey. Shouts out to Christine Tremblay if she's listening. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, she took us to this event that was a film screening. Uh, it was a screening of a local New Orleans sort of horror movie called The God Inside My Ear. Mm-hmm which was a very psychedelic story about a girl who is faced with a breakup and then she starts having a lot of hallucinations and she can't okay. tell what's real. It's one of those kinds of movies. But the the interesting thing was that this movie screening was live scored by a musical band. Oh, okay. The band was called uh, Hear More, See Less. Okay. Uh, and they just had the movie on mute with subtitles mm-hmm. and the band played the entire film doing an improvised soundtrack of the whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, it was really amazing to watch because I didn't, before I went, I didn't think it would work as well as it did, but it honest, honestly made me want to see more movies that way mm-hmm. because I think it's one thing to make a movie with spoken dialogue and, you know, a score that you make and you edit it all together. But if you take out 
one of the two elements that make the movie, which is sound, if you just take that out, it still kind of works mm -hmm. as long as you have the visuals and some other sound to go along with. Yeah. And so it, it really opened up my eyes to the possibilities of remixing and mm -hmm. remaking culture. And I would want to see more, more event spaces do events like that. Mm -hmm. Like famously, uh, I think this was two years ago or something, but our, our Metropolis screening. Yes. When, uh, when we screened Metropolis, but we had a special score uh, produced by Jared Van Eck, one of our projectionists, but we had a special electronic score played through our Barton organ yeah. in the main theater of the Michigan Theater. And, I mean, that movie is a silent movie, of course, mm -hmm. but I don't think when they made it, they ever expected this kind of score to yeah. be played over it. Yeah. And it really changes... Th those two things together really change how you view the movie. Oh, certainly. Uh, it, there's Because it's also for a movie like Met Metropolis, especially, because those films were always meant to be played with accompaniment of some kind. Right. They, they didn't have soundtracks over films. There wasn't mm. there wasn't an official soundtrack to movies, really. So it was always it's always been up to who's ever accompanying the film mm -hmm. to uh, to create the tone that the directors were trying to trying to produce. Right. And especially with Jared's that that was a tone that I don't think has ever been taken taken with that film before. Yeah. And it, yeah, like I I, I completely agree that I loved that screening. I saw it twice. I saw it both mm. times we played it and I think everyone loved it as well. And I, I, I'm, I've been talking with Jared ever since then about doing another one of those. Oh, cool. We don't have anything planned sure. yet, but for, for sure, it's going to happen again. Yeah. I hope so. I guess what, what my point is, is, uh, don't be afraid to try muting a movie and yeah. playing <laughs> some other music instead. Cause you'd be surprised at how well it can work. Yeah. That sounds great. What can you? What was the name of the film again? The film was called "The God Inside My Ear." Was it? It was an older film. No, it was a a recent movie. I don't okay. know if it has national distribution. Okay, but I know it played at like the New Orleans Film Festival. Mm, okay, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um. So my uh, my moment uh, as filmstruck is getting shut down. I've been trying to work my way through their catalog, and I made my way to Arsenic and the Old Lace. Starring Cary Grant and something I've never seen before, actually. I, who directed that? Who directed that? Oh, from, uh, Frank Capra. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that movie, mm -hmm. but I've heard the title you know, millions of times. It holds up so well. Even if, even if you have seen Arsenic and the Old Lace, but you haven't seen it within 10 years, mm -hmm. at or <laughs> watch it again. Just watch Arsenic and the Old Lace, no matter, <laughs> no matter how you think you feel about the movie, because it holds up incredibly well. And Cary Grant, he is giving 110% that entire movie. He does mm -hmm. not stop. He plays this very frantic character. Uh, he finds out that his two aunts have killed have killed a person. Okay. And they 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 they've killed 11 more before him and oh. they're burying them in the oh. in the basement. <laughs> so is it um, a comedy? It's a comedy. Okay, yeah. great. It's it's a it takes place on Halloween <laughs> and they're burying all these bodies in the basement and he comes in and he's just in a panic as soon as he finds <laughs> the first body. Sure. And then his his brother arrives and his brother has a body of his own. It oh, is no. I I loved it. It's it's I love seeing those blind, uh, those movies that are a blind spot for me and coming away, I, I knew I was going to like it. I didn't know I was going to love it as mm -hmm. much as I did. And it's always great to, to find, <laughs> to, to discover those movies that have always been, that have always been recommended to you and talked about and having, and it's rare that they actually hold up to my expectations mm, or they yeah. hold up to, uh, to the expectations that they've garnered. Yeah, Arsenic and the Old Lace, and there's. I'm sad to see Filmstruck go. Yeah, I really hope it comes back next year. There's talk of it. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, I, yeah, the Warner Media and AT and T. The, there's that that petition that was signed by something like close to a hundred thousand people, uh, sparked by Ryan Johnson, Guillermo del Toro, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Yeah, and it, it sounds like it's going to come back in some form or another. Yeah, and uh, do, do, do do subscribe. I no, I, I never subscribed to Filmstruck, but it was one of those things where once 
people were saying it was going to go. I, it was only then <laughs> that I realized how important it was to have a repository of old movies uh -huh. like that because they really can't be seen anywhere else. No. A lot of them don't have home video distribution at all. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of them are on other streaming sites, but I doubt it. No, yeah. So, Especially those Criterion Collection films. Yeah, absolutely. But mm -hmm. it, uh, the feeling I, I got after I heard the news that Filmstruck was closing only reminded me how important it is to preserve old movies and old art like that. Absolutely. Because even though, you know, we might, we might have more explosions in our movies now, <laughs> there's something about older movies that is absolutely worth going back to, some element of filmmaking that we may have forgotten or mm -hmm. something. Absolutely. And the people can still sign that petition. Uh, like, I think it, it's, it, it's not going to stop anything. Uh, I think Filmstruck sure. is still get, going to get shut down, but for to to raise awareness that there is a need for something like mm -hmm. Filmstruck still in yeah. this world, I think it's it's equally as important. Well, I've I've already signed up for the Criterion Channel, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. which I think comes out like spring next year, mm -hmm. and I heard something that like. So Warner Media, the company that owned Filmstruck, mm -hmm. I heard they're going to debut their own streaming service at the oh. end of next year. Okay. And I, I, I read something, it was like a long interview with Edgar Wright and Ryan Johnson and Guillermo del Toro about their efforts to save Filmstruck. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like they, they were talking with the head of Warner Media and they were going to include some element of Filmstruck in this new streaming service, mm -hmm. but it's still up yeah. in the air. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're sad to see it go. Nevertheless, it's been a really long episode. Thanks for joining, joining me here. Yeah, Nadine, of course. Being the, my, my only guest. Uh, thank you for listening, for sticking, for sticking through this. If you want to know more about these films, uh, check out uh, our website, mishtheater.org on the, the bottom of the homepage. That's where I'm going to be posting, mm -hmm. uh, this ep podcast episode. And I'm going to uh, add links to all the trailers. That, that of the films you just talked about so check those out uh, the show times will be coming out uh, in, in the weeks ahead thank you to the Ann Arbor District Library for giving us a, 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 a space to, to talk about this Matt's in the booth we thank him thanks Matt thanks Matt <laughs> and uh, thank you for, again for listening be sure to, to subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a rating that's how other people are going to Learn about the podcast. Email us about uh, email us at btmpod at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, your your movie magic moments. We'd love to hear for you from you, and uh, we will be back in your feed in an, in another week. Thank you for joining us behind the murky. See you guys. Bye.